Well, this morning we got into a little bit about uh, the reward seat of Christ and about your, your life on the earth, uh, how we can make it count, we can build for eternity, and everything that we do counts. You know, I always say there's a couple things you take with you to heaven, uh, what you've done for the Lord and your children. I mean, obviously we take memories, but I believe the, the most memories that we'll have when we're there, because uh, we're going to live in eternity, because we're in eternity right now, but, uh, but we want to we do something for the Lord. Let's make everything count. And uh, what a wonderful opportunity right here before he comes back. There are signs happening every day, every day. Something's happening uh, that point to Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39, that point to symptoms of the tribulation period that will not be here for, but you see those things coming on the scene so you can tell the rapture of the church is even closer. Praise God. You say, how much time do we have? I don't know, but I do know this. We're living in the season. Uh, it's the season of the coming of the Lord. Praise God. The season of Jesus coming back to the earth. The season, hallelujah, of him reigning for a thousand years on the earth. And before he comes back, I know the church will be a voice and a witness of how great he is. Praise God. Amen. Isn't that something he would take young people? He'd take old people. He'd take whoever's hungry. He'd fill them with his glory. He'd fill them with his glory, and they'd be mouthpieces for God. They'd be spokespersons, spokeswomen for God. They'd lift up their voice. Hallelujah. And literally like a trumpet, they would draw people unto the Lord because Jesus would speak through them everywhere they go. The church of the living God, walking with God, walking with Jesus of Nazareth. You watch, he'll look through your eyes. He'll minister through your hands. We'll literally be the vessels that he's called us to be, and we'll have cause for rejoicing because the head of the church will literally move us and operate through us just like we're his body, which we are. Hallelujah. So what a great day. Great day. Great days ahead for the church. Great days now. Praise God. So I want to get into some things tonight that just kind of help amplify the will of God for our lives. How many of you want to do the will of God, don't you? I mean, you're here on Sunday night, so you know you're hungry. Praise God. We're all hungry. And he said, if we'd hunger and thirst, we would be filled. Hallelujah. So grab your Bibles, and we'll turn to... Uh, I'm just trying to find out where to turn to yet. I've got about 50 things I want to preach on. So go to Romans, Romans chapter 11. Let's start here, and we'll see just what direction we go. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I think there, you know, the Lord said he'll never leave us nor forsake us, you know. But I know there's places that he goes that he has to go. And I know there's places that he goes that he likes to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, th I think he likes being at your church, you know what I mean? I guarantee you there's some churches he just kind of goes on protest, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, You know what I mean? Because there's a flavor of Jesus, and that's victory, joy righteousness and that that's his personality so i think i mean just like you you want to get around people that you that of like precious faith and i think when we think like him he wants to be there hallelujah so i think that he just enjoys being in your church service praise god amen amen he inhabits the praises of his people mm, praise god i think when we get to heaven we won't be shocked we'll be going man we were shouting and dancing like that on the earth praise god amen amen but we'll pray and we'll get right into the word turn to romans chapter 11 father we're so grateful tonight we're so grateful for everyone that came. Bless them tonight, Lord. I ask you for, for a fresh revelation about what we are destined to do before Jesus comes back. Holy Spirit, help us. We ask you for divine assistance tonight. Be our teacher. Unveil things in, in the Word tonight to us that will show us what we ought to do before Jesus comes. I thank you for all of your blessings. We thank you for our massive inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. And Father, may we walk in the full measure of everything that you've given us through Christ Jesus. We thank you for the potential that you've given us to walk exactly like Jesus walked. 
We thank you for that standard that we will uphold even all the way up to the coming of the Lord. And Lord, we're grateful for souls being swept into the kingdom right here before Jesus comes. We see the harvest. We see the fields that are widened to harvest. And Lord, in this room, you have a, a great group of harvesters. So utilize them, Father. Flow through them. Quicken them. Strengthen them. Father, we'll all do your will. That's our prayer, that we all finish our course with joy. We bless you tonight. We magnify you in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. You know, even right here before the coming of the Lord, we'll see a, a resurgence of, of gifts of the Spirit. You know, sometimes things got kind of preached a little different about gifts that were a little odd, but you'll see a resurgence of a, a massive move of the Holy Ghost. You'll see basic authority and bold authority matching and literally marrying a move of gifts of the Spirit so that you have the Holy Ghost moving, you've got authority moving, and you've got literally Jesus' ministry. Remember, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, two things, Holy Ghost and with power. You see that glory side and you see that authority side. Well, that's Jesus, hallelujah. And the church is going to awaken to that and we're going to walk like that right here before he comes. So let's go to Romans here and let's pick up where we left off. Romans chapter 11, and we'll pick up a little bit uh, in what we're called to do here before the Lord comes back. Uh, Romans 11, verse 1, I say then, has God cast away his people? God forbid, for I'm also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2, God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. So he's talking about the Jews there. Talking about how, has he cast them away? Because, you know, after Jesus was raised from the dead, it's almost like the Jews missed their opportunity. They missed their calling, kind of. And the Lord had to turn to the Gentiles. Isn't that right? Thank God he did. Praise the Lord. Thank God it wasn't just for that group. It went to all the world. So in verse 11 he says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them, this is pretty cool here in verse 12. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Oh, hallelujah. So in other words, when they, when they get reestablished as a nation, how much more their fullness. Now watch what happens to us. Verse 15, if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? So you're living, living in a season of resurrection. You're living in a season where, where things that were lost in the church are being revealed. Things that had been only operated in a few people are being resurrected in all the body parts of the body of Christ. Where we thought, well, A.A. Allen could operate in that, it's just a season of resurrection. Just Jesus' personality in the church, life everlasting everywhere you go. Hallelujah. To where all of a sudden we in the church went from going, well, I found out who I am in Christ. I found out I have authority. I found out that I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And all of a sudden we found out we're going to flow with him and function with him and literally have him distribute that life through us. Hallelujah. We know that John said, he, Jesus said in John, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. So we see Israel coming back to their land. It tells us what do we have? Nothing but resurrection. Life from the dead. We'll be raptured. But before we're raptured, we get to get a dose of resurrection power flowing through the church. Every single person. Hallelujah. We get to be candidates of that. You know, I was talking to the men up in the, in the men's meeting. A men's retreat. I keep calling it men's advance because it, it, sometimes it's an advance or sometimes retreat. I don't know what to call it. We're, it's a refreshing time, whatever. Uh, but I remember we were talking about it. I can't remember what day it was. But uh, I had this vision years ago when I was going to Bible school. And uh, remember, I'm a young man living in an outpouring, so that's just what it's supposed to be, praise the Lord. And old men's are dreaming dreams. I bet you had a dream last night, didn't you, praise the Lord? <laughs> You'll notice he'll probably in the next six, six or eight months, it'll just be dream after dream after dream. That's all right. It's okay. It's just an indication of where you are. See, I was having visions, and I was at Bible school, 
and it was, uh, it was 1980. I was a young man when I went to Bible school. I was, that was 27 years ago. I think I was 10, praise the Lord. And uh, I don't know how I got in. How'd they let me in? But anyway, I was young, though. I was very young. Uh, but anyway, uh, I had this vision, and I was working for this preacher I told you this morning, and I had this vision of, of I thought, I think of what will happen in the last days to the point that I believe it's uh, uh, apropos for now. Uh, in the vision, I saw this TV studio that had lights all set up and cameras set up, and I thought it was a 60 Minutes program. You know how in the old days 60 Minutes would confront people and put them on the spot or whatever, uh, you know, and just kind of kind of scare people a little bit how they did their, uh, uh, you know, their interviews or whatever. Well, in this vision, they had this man in a wheelchair, and they wheeled him in over on the right, and they had these preachers up on the stage, and they were going to put them on the spot and say, if healing's real, let's see you get this man in the wheelchair healed. Well, before they could, a believer got out of the audience and walked over there and said, in the name of Jesus, rise up. And boom, the man was healed right there in front of everybody and messed up their program. And, <laughs> and I believe that's the destiny for the last day churches. We keep waiting for the preachers to do it, and we are called to do it. It's, this is a season of believers doing the works of Jesus. So I believed that so much. I was like, man, that was, that was so impressed me and imprinted upon my heart. I told the guy I was working for, uh, uh, Brother Brazil, I said, hey, I had this vision. I told him about the vision. Because, you know, I was going to Raymond. I don't want to be a freak or anything. I'm a word guy. So you know what I mean. <laughs> Am I in the right room? Praise the Lord. Come on now. <laughs> so he got me this tape from Kenneth Hagin, Longmont, Colorado, 1974. Brother Hagin was prophesying, and he said, I'm standing on the horizon of time. He's a seer. That's what the prophets ministry is to do, to see things. So he said, I'm seeing over the horizon of time. He said, I see a man working miracles on live TV in Dallas, Texas. He said, cameras will be trained upon him, and then he'll, he'll be working miracles there in a studio, and then and he'll be translated to Los Angeles, California, and there he'll work miracles right there in a studio. And he said, this is what you'll see right before the coming of the Lord, a display of the glory of God in every avenue, basically. You know, every facet, in other words, TV, everything. You know, God's just going to use every vehicle to show people that Jesus was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And that's what it's all about. It was in Acts 4, verse 33. And, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon a few. No, upon them all. Hallelujah. Right now, tonight, there is great grace upon every person in this room. He wants to show forth the resurrection through your life. Hallelujah. And I know when after that happened... I worked for these ministers for several years and, you know, went out and began to preach. And I, I so believe that, that everywhere I went and preached, I worked from 1980 to about through 87 through these, for these preachers. Then fall of 87, I went and preached, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92. Everywhere I went, I preached on gifts of the Spirit. You could have looked at my book table. And my whole book table was full of nothing but messages on the gifts of the Spirit. Because that's really all I knew was the Lord had appeared to me and told me to preach on judgment. Well, I preached mercy before judgment. That's why he had to talk to me again. Because I was trying to sneak in the judgment part. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to sneak in an outpouring of mercy before the judgment came. Well, we don't have judgment on us. Uh, the judgment will come on the world after we leave, but you are living in an outpouring of mercy. So everywhere I went, I preached on power flowing through the church. And I preached on reality TV, how God was going to show people reality, how, you know, they'd have a camera in the car and maybe at the wreck, you know, uh, they don't want it reenacted. All of a sudden you see a young man walk over to somebody and put their arm back on their body. Well, you don't really have to, uh, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to go, something's up. <laughs> when you have like a 10-year-old uh, put somebody's arm back on their body, you really can't deny that, especially when it comes to reality TV. It's not scripted. It's not reenacted. It's like that happened right before their eyes. Well, I preached that so much in 90, 91, 92, I was in Tucson, Arizona, and I was preaching about that. I said, what's the most popular show on TV? And a guy yelled out, Baywatch. I said, no, I mean reality TV. <laughs> so that was how long ago that was. But, 
But bless his heart. I mean, he told the whole church his thought pattern. But anyway, um, so that's embarrassing. But anyway, but look at what the Lord has done. All these shows are raised up to where you have things that are that they want it happening right in front of their eyes. They don't want it reenacted. God's setting the world up for reality. He's setting the world up for the believer to walk with God, not in a goofy or strange way, but a power, authority, dominion way, where all of a sudden you are ready for, for the Lord to use you everywhere you go. And my friend, this is the destiny for the last day believer, hallelujah, to come to the forefront and walk with God, walk as sons of God, demonstrate the resurrection, literally flow in everything that we've been hearing. There'll be an explosion of angelic activity, explosion of the glory of God, explosion of the anointing of God, explosion of the gifts of the Spirit. And you will literally walk just like Jesus. You'll see yourself at times almost like you're standing by yourself operating just like you've dreamed you'd be operating in. And we'll see all of this right before the Lord comes back. We're in that season right now. Hallelujah. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to John. I remember I told the story to the guys up in the men's convention there. Uh, John 14, I can't remember what you call it, the retreat, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, the men's breakfast, the, uh, whatever we did. Uh, um, um, I told the story of this buddy of mine, and uh, uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. What was it, the story I told? I can't remember. What it was. Oh, the man, the Reebok salesman. There's a buddy of mine that works, I play golf with him, he, uh, Mike Taylor. He goes to Victory Christian Center there in Tulsa, and he sells shoes. He's a rep for Reebok. So he's not, you know, he's not a prophet, you know, he's not, he's not an apostle, you know. Uh, he's not a bishop. He's just like us. He's an ordinary believer. But there's nothing ordinary about your life. You're not an ordinary believer. It's just like Jesus. Oh, I ought to preach that really hard. Here we go. All right, so Mike Taylor's driving along on the turnpike, and as he's driving along on the turnpike in Oklahoma, it's a hassle to turn around. And as he was going, he saw this man laid out by his car on the edge of the road, and he worked for PSO, the Public Service Company of Oklahoma. He's an electrical guy there. And he's laid out on the ground. Well, my buddy Mike Taylor goes, you know, I ought to go check on that guy, but it's so hard on the turnpike to turn around. So he kept right on going, you know, and he kind of, kind of, the Lord kind of dealt with him. Like, you know, you need to turn around and go check on that guy. So he took the turn where he could, went all the way back. You know, it takes a while to get back to where you get another turn, turn all the way back, come back to him like that. Finally got there. And as he got there, uh, he comes up to the guy, and the guy's dead. I mean, he's cold, blue. He's, there's no heartbeat, no breath. He's like, this guy's out, you know. So he's just standing there going, what do I do, what do I do? Another car pulled up right about then to check on what was going on. And this guy got out of the car, and Mike Taylor looked over at him and said, hey, do you know how to pray? <laughs> you know how you kind of want a little reinforcement when somebody's gone, you know what I'm saying? It's not like you go, dun, 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 which we're learning to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that's what we should be doing. It's like, not a problem, I'm ready. Well, Mike Taylor yells out to this other guy, do you know how to pray? Because you kind of want a little reinforcement, you know what I mean? And um, that guy goes, no, 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 I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to pray. And Mike said, well, hey, can you call 911? And uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he calls 911. While uh, that guy's calling 911, Mike Taylor said, you know, something came over me. You can call it manifestations of the Holy Ghost. You can call it whatever you want. But he had been building a platform for this by attending a church like this that believes that Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He said he found himself, just like I said a while ago, you'll see yourself operating almost beside yourself. He said, I found myself almost acting out of myself, grabbing that man by the ears, and I said, he said, I command you to come alive in Jesus' name. He said, the man sat up, and he goes, I have a horrible headache. He goes, well, well, you have worse than a headache. You were dead, you know. 
and, and, and the man was raised from the dead. And, and, and Michael hardly even tell the story. You know, he won't even, because he doesn't want to draw attention to himself. He's just doing what he's supposed to do, being a believer. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I was preaching in Chuck Ford's church. You know, you talk to him right on the way to the service. Chuck's down there in Jackson, Mississippi. I was preaching down there in Jackson a couple of years ago, and I was telling the story. And this man came up to me right at the end of the service. He said, you know what, the guy that, that Mike yelled out to, to ask if he knew how to pray, and, and, and the guy said, no. He goes, well, that was me. He goes, I didn't know how to pray then, but I know how to pray now. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. Amen, amen. Well, praise God. We, this is why we're here in the last days, is he will utilize us with all the messages we've heard so we can demonstrate that Jesus is alive and well. Jesus, alive and well. Because there's something about the demonstration of it that you really can't argue with. You know, you think about the man. Man, I'm trying to get to John 14. Hang with me a minute. You think about the man... Um, how many of you remember the brother that had like a continual working of miracle, had the glass eye? Remember that guy? He had the glass eye and could see out of the glass eye. Well, Brother Shambach, this man had gotten healed in one of Brother Shambach's meetings. And uh, he had a continual working of miracle because you can't see out of a glass eye. It's a fake eye. <laughs> but the man could see out of the glass eye. So Brother Shambach, knowing him, he's so radical, he's going to start a church up in New Jersey. And he called the newspaper. He said, I want you to print my article about Jesus. Well, they didn't want to print his article about Jesus, so he kind of put him on the spot like Elijah in the Old Covenant. He said, I'll tell you what, I got a phenomenon. He goes, if you can disprove my phenomenon, you don't have to write my article about Jesus. But if you can't disprove it, you got to write my whole article about Jesus. Well, he, they said, okay, we'll put you on the spot. They got the doctors there, got them all, brought them into this room, you know, and they brought that man in that has a glass eye, and they put this covering over, the, over his good eye, and they got the glass eye right there, and they started putting stuff in front of him, and he started reading out of that glass eye. And the doctors are going, what in the world's going on here? Because he, they're trying to trick him, too, so they're moving things around. They said, well, it's because it's he's got great peripheral vision. So they started getting it closer and all this, and they're like, man, what's up with this? They couldn't trick him. He could read out of that glass eye. He said, well, let's hold on just a minute. Let's take a step further. He pulls that glass eye out and reads out of that hole out of his head. Yeah. Well, needless to say, they printed his article about Jesus. Praise the Lord. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants to demonstrate this before he comes. Hallelujah. So let's go here to John 14. Let's see how we'll do this. Praise God. John 14. We know the verses real well. Look at verse... Oh, look at verse number uh, 6. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He said, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. Henceforth you know him, and you've seen him. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will suffice us. Now Philip's answering a question here. He's saying something that the world's saying to us right now. Show us. Show us the Father. I mean, the world's longing to see that what we have is real. This is not just some storybook. This is reality. This is real. This realm is real. Remember when Jesus was, was choosing his disciples, he said, and there's Nathaniel. Indeed, it, it, there's no guile in him. He said, how'd you know that? He said, well, I saw you over there under the tree. He said, how'd you know that? He said, well, he's, he's, you know, he's a prophet. He said, well, you're a prophet. And Jesus said, that's not a big deal. He said, before you came over here, he said, you watch. Hereafter, you'll see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, there's a whole other real realm there that you're not aware of. And Philip's saying, Lord, show us the Father. Well, notice what Jesus says. He gives them a little word here. Jesus goes on there in verse 9 and says, he says, Now have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father. Wow. He said, believest thou not that I am in the Father? Now look at verse 10 and verse 11. He's going to tell you something to help us demonstrate Jesus. Basically, Jesus is saying, I'm demonstrating the Father, and you're going to demonstrate me. So watch what he says in verse 10 and 11. He says, believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. And the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So here Jesus is basically blaming all this stuff on his Father. So he goes on there and says in verse 11, he's going to repeat himself. Now when Jesus repeats himself, I want to pay attention to what he's talking about. Because there's something that will happen because he's being repetitive. What, look what he says in verse 11. Believe me. Isn't that something the Lord's asking his staff to believe him? He said, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Or else, now that's five times in two verses he said that, that, those statements right there. So in verse, he goes on in the rest of that verse, says, or else believe me for the very work's sake. So now in verse 12 he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. Now we know this verse. He said, if you believe on me, something will happen. If you believe on me, something will happen. He said, if you believe on me, not religion, not tradition, but if you believe on me, something's going to happen. There'll be a trail of works, just like Jesus' works. Let it be said of us right before we're caught up, just like people who got to Jesus and they could see the expression of the Father, people should get to you and see the expression of the Son of God. Just as people tried to get to the hem of His garment, they should be trying to get to the hem of your jeans to get a miracle. The days are gone where we come to get a miracle. It's the day of us taking the miracle outside the building. Hallelujah. Because now Jesus said if we believe on him, now what are we believing on tonight? Come on now. We're believing on the resurrected Savior. He said, I am he that was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. And my friend, when we get that in us, there is a dominion thought pattern in the church that we can do the works that he told us we'd do. Not trying to, not laboring to, we go out and do the works that he did. Now, it gives us a key here of a couple things that help us do these things that make it easy. Go to verse 13. It said, Whatsoever you'll ask in my name, that I'll do. Now, we all know this, but I'm trying to get somewhere, so just hang with me. Verse 13, he said, Whatever you ask in my name. We know in the Greek it means demand. If you look it up in the Greek, it means demand, and it even has the connotation. That Greek scholar brought it out. If I don't have it, I will create it. If I don't have it, I'll create it. He said, whatever you demand in my name, I'll do it. Woo, hallelujah. I remember a meeting I was in in Brandon, Florida, right outside of Tampa. I had finished preaching. I was done preaching, you know, grabbed my Bible, and I heard the Lord's, I heard the words fingernails. And I instantly looked down at my nails. I thought, well, what's up with fingernails? Didn't even realize what it was. I was done preaching, trying to, you know, let the, let the, the service in. Holy Ghost said fingernails. I looked down at my fingernails. I said, wait a minute. I got one more thing. I said, somebody's got trouble with your fingernails. This lady started screaming. She started screaming, come running down. I'll never forget it. She's probably in her mid-60s, almost 70. She come running down. She said, I told the Lord today I was getting new fingernails tonight. Hallelujah. And she walked down right in front of me, and I looked at her fingers. She didn't have any fingernails there, and I said, I command. And I was thinking of this verse right here, that if, if he, don't, we don't, we don't, he don't have it, he'll make it. Hallelujah. And I said, Lord, I thank you for new fingernails for this lady. And I sat there and watched that lady get fingernails right in front of my eyes. You talk about people rejoicing, and I don't care if you're a Ph.D. I don't care if you're an M.D. I don't care if you're an F.A. CS fellow American College of Surgeons, when you see somebody doesn't have any fingernails, get new fingernails, you really can't argue with it. Hallelujah. Well, now here he said, whatever, whatever you demand in my name, 
I'll do it. Now, the thought pattern comes into the church. Every time I'm ministering to somebody, I'm not thinking about my qualifications when I'm in front of them. It will come into the church that it's not about our qualifications. It's about His qualifications. Come on now. And He has qualified us because of what He did. And He said, whatever. Everybody say, whatever. Whatever Whatever you demand in my name, He said, I'll do it. And it'll come into the church that we can do this. Because he said we wouldn't maybe do it. He said if we believe on him, we would do this. Now watch the combination, though, of, of, of some elements here. Watch what he says. He says, whatever you'll ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And then he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Wow, what is this commandment? That we demand in his name. Woo, hallelujah. And he went on to give us the Great Commission. We've heard that over and over and over, that we go out in his name as representatives. Hallelujah. But notice the combination here. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 16. He said, Now pray the Father, and He'll give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because He sees Him not, neither knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and shall be in you. You see the combination of authority and glory. Notice he says, he says I'm gonna, you're going to ask in my name, and I'm also going to do something even beyond that. I'm going to fill you with my presence. So every time you see people doing his works, you see a combination of authority and glory together. Now watch, let's skip over to the book of Acts again. Go over to Acts chapter 8. We're getting closer. Praise the Lord. I mean, still glad you came. Praise God. Look at Acts chapter 8. Look over here just a moment at, at Philip. We've talked about this before, but it'll bear repeating so we can see this combination in the book of Acts. Look at Acts 8. You remember the story right here in Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Very familiar story, but look what happens here when you see this combination involved. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. The people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Notice there's an expression in this known realm, reality. They could hear it, and they could see it. Now watch what happens. He said, For unclean spirits were crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many that were taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. So here we see a, a visible, outward demonstration of doing the works of Jesus, don't we? Now let's skip over to verse 12. Look and see how they did it. Here Philip says, But when they believed Philip preaching, verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. You see the combination again here. You see the kingdom of God. That's that glory. Remember he said some of you won't taste death until you see that kingdom. And what did he do? He went up on a mountain and began to be transfigured. That glory began to be in operation. I believe Philip went up there and preached in Samaria and he preached about the kingdom of God, the glory of God, a manifestation of that presence. Hallelujah. And then he capped it off with the name. So you see glory and you see the name and operation and what happened in that city there's great joy in that city because one man great joy in that city why one man great joy in that city why one man had a combination of authority and glory in operation and what happened people could hear it and they could see it hallelujah that's what we want that's our equipment right now you keep thinking well when are we going to step into all these great things when we wake up to the fact that you've already got both of those in operation everywhere you go there's no lag time. It's not like, well, I got to travel with Benny Hinn. I got to travel with Brother Hagen. Brother Hagen's not here anymore. Benny Hinn's not in Boise. You're here. Come on now. We keep waiting for someone to come in, and he's raised you up. Oh, come on now. 
I remember I was preaching. I told the story to the guys at the men's advance, men's retreat, men's breakfast, whatever it was. I remember telling the story. Uh, I was preaching in Temecula, California, and uh, there were some golfers in this, this meeting. And uh, uh, they had come because uh, we'd gone to dinner the night before. They'd never been in a Holy Ghost service, you know. And, uh, and I was preaching three days on the gifts of the Spirit. And, uh, and then people were coming out Monday night, Tuesday night. And I'll never forget it. I can't remember what night it was. When I walked in, they had a man laid out on the back, didn't know that he had cancer in both his kidneys, and he was like uh, addicted to drugs and everything, so he wasn't a good candidate to get a new kidney. But he was just laid out. When I walked in the back door, they all said, come over here, and I knew they wanted me to pray for him. I said, let's just wait a little bit, let him hear the word. But man, he looked bad, you know what I'm saying? He just looked like he, if he didn't get some help pretty quick, he's going to go home with the Lord. I didn't know anything about it, didn't know anything about it, but I just knew we could pray for him at the end of the service. So I began to preach for a little bit. You know, trying to sound an alarm, trying to wake everybody up. You know, sock puppets and everything. Praise the Lord, good to see everybody. You know, try, trying to do whatever you can to wake everybody up. So preaching along. And then at the end, I have a word of knowledge. The Lord said there's somebody there that has damage in their heel. This man come down. And how's our helicopter man? How's your heel doing? You got, got prayed for? Your, your heel healed? Praise the Lord. So uh, in the meeting, this man gets his heel healed. No big deal. I have another word of knowledge. Now watch how the, the Lord will try to manifest both realms here. Glory and authority. So I have another word of knowledge. I have a word of knowledge. I, said, there's some, I had a vision. I said, there's somebody here. You got, it looks like varicose veins in your calf. I said, but it's not varicose veins. It's as though someone hit you a, with a tube before in the back of the leg. And this man yells out, damn. He cusses right there in church, screams it out. I was like, wow, okay. And that's not the normal way to receive, praise the Lord. But he curses right there in church. And he goes, that's me. He goes, I got hit by two before. I said, I'm going in for surgery. He said, you can look at this thing in the back of my leg. He said, they can't make it work right. He said, I'm going to get operated on. I mean, he's just freaked out to the point he's cussing. Well, he comes down, and uh, I prayed for him, you know. And so what am I using? I'm the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. But even with that manifestation, you know, wow, man, you could get into a whole lot here. Brother Hagin talked about William Branham. He'd have word of knowledge for people. But sometimes if there wasn't enough authority in operation, they would go away still with the same disease, even though the word of knowledge revealed it. So even though the word of knowledge revealed that in his leg, all of a sudden I've got to have something to back that word up with. I said, i got authority in the name. I said, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. He went back to his seat and goes, man, oh man, my back of my leg's numb. And he said, it's tingling. And I said, it's just like Dinorex or Des, whatever the word is. If it's tingling, it's working. I don't even know what it is. But there is something that you put on that makes it tingle and it works. Praise the Lord. That's the glory of God. So you see a combination of the glory and authority. Next thing you know, I've started calling out other words. Other people are getting healed. Now hang with me. Meanwhile, while I'm calling out other words of knowledge, they've drugged this man down and put him about right here. And by the time I prayed for a bunch of other people, I thought, well, it's time for this guy to get healed. I walked over to him, and he wouldn't look at me. He just bowed his head over like this while I'm standing right in front of him. I thought, well, that's kind of rude, you know. Normally, if you're going to go over and say something to somebody, you look up at him at least. He, I said, look at me. He wouldn't even look at me. I didn't know that he's like could care less about church, could care less about preachers. Somebody drug him there because like at a last resort. I said, look at me. He won't even look at me. And now I'm, see, sometimes we think the preacher's being mad. He's, I'm confronting unbelief. In other words, if you're going to confront me with your unbelief, i got a whole lot more belief to confront you with. So I said, look at me. He wouldn't look at me. I said, not a problem. I got down on the floor. I said, I'll get to where you can see me. I said, hey, get up. Healed people ought to get up. He looked at me like, man, I want to kill you. I said, get up. You're healed. Next thing you know, this guy gets up, starts kind of doing the chicken and the swan like this. He goes, and he starts going like that. I don't know that he knows no idea what kind of, this is a church service. He goes, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I was like, well, praise the Lord. I have no idea. He don't even know what that means. 
Come to find out, you know, he's not a good candidate for a kidney, and the Lord heals his kidneys right there. By the time we finish the meeting, now watch, you see a combination of authority and glory. By the time you finish the meeting, the pastor got up and said, if you'll notice, every single person that's prayed for tonight is instantly healed. Now, what happened in Jesus' No fanfare. I didn't, see, I didn't see any cameras. I didn't see any... any we want it to be Hollywood. My friend, God's going to use you without any fanfare. The fanfare will be that people's bodies will be made whole and He'll use you in the ways that we've been taught to be used. And it's not some complicated deal. Here in the book of Acts, Philip, he just preached Christ. He preached about the kingdom of God and the name. Now go back to John 14. Let's pick up where we left off. Let's get back there for a minute. I might just preach all night. Praise the Lord. Pizza will be here. Pizza will be here at 8, and we'll, we'll go back to pizza. Praise God and come back and preach. Amen. Go back to John 14. Now notice the combination here in John 14. He said in verse 12, Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me, John 14, verse 12 again, He that believeth on me, the works, the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. Well, we know because we're students of the Bible, I believe it's in John 5, remember with the, the sheep market, the pool of Bethesda, where the man had gotten healed. Do you remember that? The angel would go down and trouble the water at a certain season, and uh, the people that jumped, the guy that jumped in first would get healed of whatever disease he had. And remember the man got healed? <laughs> and the Pharisees got mad at him for getting healed. What's up with you getting healed on the Sabbath day? And then they got mad at Jesus. And Jesus, how did Jesus answer? He said, I can of mine own self do nothing. They said, well, who do you think you are healing this man on the Sabbath day? Jesus said, hey, don't look at me. He said, my father worketh, hitherto I work. Now here Jesus didn't go, well, you know what? I made my mind up to heal this man on the Sabbath day. He said, this is my dad. Well, now we in the body of Christ can say, we're ministering to people. Hey, this ain't my idea of this. This is the head of the church, the author of life, working through me, the church of the living God. So it's not going to be us. It's going to be Him. See, sometimes we think, well, I've got to get enough prayer in my life. I've got to get enough revelation in my life. It ain't about you, Doc. Come on now. It's who's riding you. Come on now. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Amen? Amen. Now, here we see this. I, I, I told the story to the men. I guess I told all my stories to the guys up in the men's advance, the men's breakfast, and the men's retreat, whatever it was. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hang with me. I was preaching down in Corpus Christi. Hang with me just a minute. Man, I'm getting close to my message. In a minute, I, it's taken me a while. I know, praise the Lord. We'll get here in just a little bit. I was, I was preaching down in Corpus Christi, 1992. And I was preaching in this church. You know what? As a traveling guy, I have found out that I say things sometimes that probably make people mad every once in a while. I don't mean to, but I'm just trying to shock them a little bit. You know how Wigglesworth used to say, I, I want you to get mad or glad. Just get some kind of expression. And I, and I finally realized what that is. Remember Wigglesworth, he'd talk about these things. He said, I would rather be, listen very carefully. He said, I would rather be in a convention with someone that's not filled with the Holy Ghost and is hungry for him than someone that's filled with the Holy Ghost and is not hungry anymore. So see, I, so I'm trying to get a reaction with people, trying to, so I probably said something to get them mad. Didn't mean to, but I probably just said something that offended somebody or whatever. You know how that goes. Sometimes people are kind of a, a sensitive, you know what I mean? Because we're living in the Oprah Winfrey, you know, it's, I, I grew up on the wrong side of the deal and I didn't grow up right. And everybody wants to, it's a victim mentality, isn't it? Well, that didn't go over real good, but it's true. Praise the Lord. So I probably said something that stepped on somebody's toes and they got mad at me. So you know what? It shut me down. You notice in the service, you can't really go anywhere unless everybody goes with you. I mean, like, everybody here tonight, man, you're just ready to rock. You're ready to go. But if everybody shuts you down, you can't go anywhere. Well, so everybody shut me down, and I got frustrated. So I went back to my hotel. 
I said, you know what, Lord, I don't, I'm not on the road like this to have a dead service. I mean, it was as flat as a pancake. You understand what I'm saying? People were <laughs> coughing for water. It was so dry. Well, it was, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I can't. This is not good, man. We got, we got to have some kind of flow. We got to have some moisture in the room. Come on. I told the Lord, I said, you know, I've even told him at other times, just wave when you come by. You don't even have to come in. At least acknowledge that we're there. I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures. I don't even say, Lord, you don't even have to manifest it. Just, just wave. Kumbaya. Do something, you know what I'm saying? Because, man, I don't like that kind of dead service stuff. So I went back to the hotel and I said, I said Lord, you know what? I, I said, you want to do something in the service tonight? You just do it. I ain't going to do nothing. I said, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to study. I'm going to watch golf. I said, I watched golf all day. I watched Fred Couples win the Masters Golf Tournament. It was awesome. I watched the whole thing, man. It just kaboom. He won the Masters, you know, and it was powerful. And I thought, man, this is the coolest thing in the world. Come time for the service. I'm getting a little nervous because I hadn't prayed or studied. And then getting time to come in for the service, you know, I'm thinking, man, I've been watching golf all day. hadn't been studying at all. I hadn't been praying. And I'll never forget it. We come into the meeting and the presence of God come in, man. It was cool. We're singing, worshiping the Lord. And Jim Harris is the pastor's name. There's a wooden podium like up here like this. And Pastor Harris came up behind that like that. All of a sudden, the power of God come in there and the podium fell over. He fell over on the floor. I look up and there's Jesus standing on two steps up on the platform, the head of the church. I mean, my hair like this, you know. Because I'm thinking, I watch golf all day, and there's Jesus. You know, I, you know, I'm thinking, this ain't cool, you know. You, you want it to be, oh, I was praying all day and carried away in the spirit. No, I'm watching golf, so I'm nervous, man. I don't know what's up. Here, Jesus is standing right there, had a white robe on, a burgundy sash. And he just looked at me. I'd seen him before with all love, and this was like, you know, lightning, you know what I'm saying? He looked at me, and he pointed his finger at me, and he screamed. He goes, tell them. I mean, it was like somebody shot me in the chest. Tell them I did miracles as a man. Tell them I walked on the water as a man. He goes, tell, he goes, tell them I cast out devils as a man, not as God. I did everything as a man. Hallelujah. And he said, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Tell, I mean, scream, tell them. I'm thinking, I'll tell them I'm going to explode. I'm thinking, I'll tell them all right. I'm, I'm thinking, how can I fly around the room going, he did it as a man, he did it as a man. Well, next thing you know, the pastor gets up off the floor and he starts prophesying, Jesus did it as a man. Yea, thus saith the Lord. So he heard what the Lord's trying to say. It's almost like Jesus is desperate for the church to get it, that he didn't do it as God, he did it as a man. Satan hates that because a man, a man anointed by the Holy Ghost, destroyed the works of the devil as he walked on the earth. And my friend, come on now, come on. You have the same anointing. You have the same glory. You have the same Jesus. You have the same everything as He had. Look it up. When He said we'll walk just as He walked, it means parallel. That you can put your walk just by His and they're identical. You can't tell the difference. Just like if I walked right now, can you tell the difference between my left leg and my right leg? You can't tell the difference. You might be His leg. You might be His arm. But you're still the body of Christ. And what's in Christ is in the body. What's in Him today? It's the glory of the Father. What's in Him tonight? It's the glory of the Son. What's in you tonight? It's resurrection power. Come on now. He's alive. He was raised from the dead and He's waiting for the church to go, that's in me. That's in me. It's upon me. Authority and glory. And you watch, we don't have to ask, how how do we get in that flow? You create your own flow. Mm, Come on now. So watch what Jesus said. Go back there. Let's see. Go back to verse... Take out a verse. <laughs> Go back to verse 16. He said, I'll pray the Father, 
He'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And he goes, even the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because he sees him not, neither knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now this is a radical statement. We've heard this taught all along. This is what Jesus said. This spirit dwells with you. He's talking about the temple. If you go over to the Temple Mount, it's pretty radical how dramatic the Temple Mount was, Solomon's Temple. He said, that spirit dwells with you. He said, and it shall be in you. And I bet Peter said, you know, that's wonderful, but uh, you're not going to take that glory and put it on the inside of me. Because if we look at how they looked at it, there was such a reverence. Hang with me now. Remember in the Old Covenant, I believe it's in Exodus 19. He said, put a, listen, he said, put a fence around the mountain lest they even get near me to gaze and die. Not because God's mad at anybody, but he's just so glorious. He said, put a fence around the mountain so they can't even get through to look at me and it would kill them because he's so radiant. And here Jesus said, I'm going to put that spirit in you. Remember the priest in the Old Covenant? He would go into the presence of God and he would go in with a rope tied around his leg. He would go in very cautiously. He had bells and pomegranates. Everything stood for something. He's going into the presence of God. Those bells are clanging around while he's doing the priestly duties. And there's times if he hadn't done everything just right, he falls over dead. They grab that rope and they drag the priest out of the presence of God. I wouldn't want to be the second string priest. How'd you like me number two? Hey, I'm ready. Here we go. I'm ready to go. Man, I'd have been going. It's time for coffee. Hallelujah. I, I let number third go in. It's all over you, buddy. Go for it. Well, I mean, because they have a reverence for that glory. So we sometimes don't realize it because we don't walk out in the field and see that glory come down on a mountain and see the mountain quake and vibrate at His presence. Come on now, Ezekiel saw him. He's a fire from the loins up, fire from the loins down. And they had a reverence for that. And Jesus said, I'm going to take that spirit and put it in you. That's why it'll be easy. Now think of it this way. Man, we all know this, but uh, how many of you... Well, let's just pretend that I work here in Boise at a gas station. And I don't fill up cars with gas. What I do is I, I, I recharge cars' batteries. You know when the batteries get all run down? You get the jumper cables, you bring them in, you, you jump the batteries... But you know what? You get tired of doing that. So my boss says, hey, we got a, we got a better idea. We're going to take you down to Boise General, and we're going to surgically implant 5 billion volts of electricity right inside here, and we're going to make it plutonium and uranium, and it'll be nuclear. And, you know, <laughs> I'd probably I'd go back to my boss and go, I ain't doing that. Hello, are you crazy? You know, you go to hug your wife and give her a perm. You know, hi, honey, poof. You know, think about it. I mean, it'd be kind of weird. And you're your own nightlight at night. You just read. You just kind of sit there and glow. Mm. I mean, because we, we think of nuclear, we, we think of having a reverence for that. I mean, how many of you bought some land by a nuclear plant? How many of you go, oh, I can't wait to live right, right by the reactor? No, because you have a reverence for even just a little bit of a mistake because of the power of that nuclear stuff. And here Jesus said, I'm going to take that that was with you and I'm going to put it in you. Oh, come on now. Come on now. And we have a reverence for that stuff. You think about even nuclear power. You've seen the things on History Channel or whatever. I can't remember what they're all. The documentation of where someone's exposed to enriched uranium. They're barely exposed to it. They touch a little bit of it, and all of a sudden they start bleeding from the inside out. They start bleeding from their ears. They start bleeding from their eyes because that nuclear is such a... It goes to the very core of your being, and you start bleeding from the inside out because it's unseen power. But it's radioactive. It radiates. It destroys. The opposite of that kind of power is the anointing of God. It's the glory of God. The very opposite of that destructive stuff, you have creative. In Romans 8, he said it'll quicken you. It's so alive, just as, as, as nuclear stuff would destroy, you've got something in you that quickens you. It, it makes alive everything you see. 
Oh, come on now. It, it comes out of your mouth. When you speak, it is written. It's the same words that come out of your mouth, the same life that comes out of your mouth. It comes out of your spirit. That's how God created. But it's so cool here. He did the dual thing in John 14. He said, you're going to speak it and you're going to feel it. You're going to speak it and you're going to feel it. You'll have a dual expression of that glory. You'll say with authority and you'll express it with His presence. Even to the point in Acts 2, we got into this up there at the men's advance, men's retreat, and the men's breakfast. We got into that up there, how the glory of God came on them. Just like tonight. Well, let's just say I was going to do it like this. Man, I'm getting close to my message. Almost there. Hang with me. <laughs> let's say I had enough cologne with me at the hotel. I don't have enough cologne with me, but let's say I did. Let's say I, before I came to the service tonight, you know what? I'm going to fill my bathtub with cologne. Before I, I come to the service tonight, I'm going to immerse myself in that cologne. And I guarantee you, when I came to the service tonight, every single person would go, what in the world has he been in? Because you know what? If I got within a few feet of you, it'd preach for me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to go, I've been in the cologne, in the cologne, in the cologne. No, it'd radiate from me to the point that even though you can't see it, even though you can't feel it, but one of your senses would pick it up and go, what in the world has this guy been in? Because it would preach for me. Jesus said, you'll be baptized, you'll be dunked, in some glory, and you shouldn't have to tell anybody that you're filled with the Holy Ghost. It should radiate from you because it's a life-giving force that you've been immersed in. You say, well, I know all about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't think we do. When we realize what we've been immersed in, we'll lay hands on people and go, I've got an energy on the inside of me that will quicken you. Ooh, come on now. Come on, it will. Oh, hallelujah. I remember... I remember just preaching on the anointing or whatever, and a guy just preaching on, really on gifts up in Boston. A guy comes running up to me after service. He says, my mom's bedridden. I said, well, let's pray for her. Said, well, bring her over here. And he goes, well, she's not here. She's bedridden. I said, you hear me? He said, we're turning her on a bed. I said, well, I said, well come on. We'll, we'll pray for your tie. Give me your tie. And he didn't have a chance to tell me what was wrong with him because I was in a hurry because the line was real long. He said, well, let's pray for my mom. I said, okay, I grab your tie. I said, I command, just like Acts 19, 11, God brought special miracles, indicating there's so many ordinary. He had a differentiate between ordinary and special. I said, I command your mom to be healed in Jesus' name. And I kept going, ministering to the other people. There's a big line. We come back the next night. That man come running up to me. He goes, he stuck his mouth open a while. He goes, lie out like that. I said, what's wrong with you, man? He goes, he goes, you know what? We lay hands on my tie. I took it back to my mom. We were turning her every two hours on the sheet. We put my tie on her stomach. Said she sat up like this, got up out of the bed, stretched like that, and completely made whole when that tie was laid on her. And he said, you know what? Didn't have a chance to tell you. He said, but I had gross all in my mouth, and that tie was wrapped around my throat, and the gross all disappeared right out of my mouth. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I was preaching in Lubbock, Texas. There was a, young, a family that had come down. They said, look, our son, he's about 10 or 11. He's in, he's in uh, semi-mental retardation, but not really full retardation. He's in, what do you call it, special education class. But he's not in regular class. I said, well, not a problem. We'll pray over, uh, pray over him. He said, well, he's not here. Uh, they said, well, look, let me just give me a piece of your clothes. I remember laying hands on, the, on the, the dad's jacket he had on. I said, you take this jacket. I said, I command. Now, notice the combination of authority and glory. I said, I command this presence to go into your jacket. And when you lay your jacket on your son, it'll, it'll, it'll go into his flesh. and It'll drive out that which had caused him to not have his brain working right. I remember I was in Lubbock a couple of years ago, and I had forgotten all about it. It was probably 10 or 12 years ago. We come walking in. There was a young man about 17 years old. Had, he you know, looked like a college student. He come walking up to me. His parents come walking over there. They said, I'm the young man. They laid their, his jacket on me. He said, the day that he laid that jacket on me, the next day I went back to school and went to ordinary class. I had to go 
go before the principal so I could go in ordinary class to show them that my brain was right. The next day he's in school living a normal life because of that glory. My friend, he is a quickening spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, we, we treat it like it's ordinary. It's not ordinary. Let's go here back to 2 Kings. Here's a minute. Let's keep moving. I'm going to close right here. Hang with me. Man, I've been preaching a long time. Dear Lord, you guys are so easy to preach. So go to 1 Kings. You pick out a king. Let's go to one of the kings. Here we go. Go to, go to 1 Kings 19. Let's look at this. Let's look at a little bit of a key real quick before we close. Because we know this stuff. We just have to do it. Look at 1 Kings 19. I want you to see this story here that, that God helped Elijah getting back to doing what he was called to do. Watch uh, 1 Kings 19. Remember the story? How radical is this? He called down fire from heaven. You remember the story? He had kind of mocked him. <laughs> and he said, you know, the God that answers by fire, he's God. And he said, maybe, remember Baal's prophets got their sacrifices ready. And Elijah goes, well, maybe he's gone to the restroom, you know, whatever. I mean, how cool is that, that he's so confident in his God that he mocks him. And uh, so after that, you know, he called down fire from heaven and it licked up the sacrifice. And then he killed those 400 prophets of Baal. I mean, how weird is that in the Old Covenant? Oh, you don't agree with us? Well, you're going to die. Well, how weird is that? I mean, that's just a bizarre way to do things in the Old Covenant. You know, so he killed all those prophets of Baal. Watch what happens after, after he killed them. Go to 1 Kings 19, verse number 9. And Elijah came thither. This is page 446. we got a Bible like mine. 1 Kings 19, verse 9. He came thither into a cave and lodged there. So in other words, he, he called down fire from heaven, killed all those prophets of Baal, and all of a sudden Jezebel said, I'm going to get you. He takes off running. He just single-handedly killed 400 prophets. This one woman goes, I'm going to get you, Elijah. He takes off running. He takes off running from this lady. Now watch what happens in verse 9. Uh, he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said, What are you doing out here, Elijah? Like, hello, you just killed 400 prophets. Why are you running? And listen to what he said in verse number 10. He said, Oh, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. The children of Israel forsaken thy covenants, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, you can hear him kind of quivering right there, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Notice the Lord ignores his whining. All the Lord's interested in, I mean, the Lord doesn't want him to go through hell, you know, because the Lord has instructed his life and blessed him and helped him, but the Lord doesn't even listen to his whining. He just ignores it and goes, well, whatever. He said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the earring of the cave. And behold, there came the voice of him saying, What are you doing out here, Elijah? Like, hello. And he goes back and says the same whole thing again. said, Oh, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts and all this. And then the Holy Ghost begins to tell him what to do. Tells him to anoint so-and-so. Tells him to anoint Elisha. So in other words, the Lord's trying to get him back to what he's called to do. How does the Lord get Elijah back to doing what he's called to do? Still small voice. Notice it wasn't like, you know, we think the Lord's going to come on us in the supermarket and it's going to be... And all of a sudden we'll feel our chest go out. Man, that's the glory of God on me. I feel it. I'm going to go down the vegetable aisle and heal everybody. I mean, that's, what we kind of, that's why we kind of we want it like that, because we want it to be so carnal. But, but the voice of the Lord is going to come on. It's so still and small. But the way we'll do the works of Jesus, we have authority, we have glory, but he'll speak to you so quietly and you'll obey him. 
Amen. We are looking for sometimes something that's so not the way God does it. It may be dramatic in the display of it, but how he gets you there will not be dramatic. It will not be Hollywood. It'll be a still, small voice. I remember a meeting I was in in um, Charleston, Illinois. the spring of this year. I was in this camp meeting with all these other preachers that had forgotten more about God than I'll ever know. You know what I'm saying? And we were in this camp meeting, and there were the, 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 uh, the, it was an old church. The windows were open in the spring of that year. And so, so you could get some air in, in April. And I was preaching along. I think I was preaching on healing that year. That's exactly what I was preaching on. And I was, you know, brruh, brruh, sock puppets and all that, brruh, trying to wake everybody up and all that, preaching along on healing. I tell you, you boom, 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 boom. you're trying to just give everybody the word. All of a sudden, I heard the Holy Ghost while I'm preaching. I'm just going as fast as I can. I hear on the inside, I want to heal somebody's knee. I kept right on preaching. Just, it was just as quiet as it's going to be. I kept right on preaching. I tell you, he's the same yesterday. Boom, cha-boom. I, I want to heal somebody's knee. I kept right on preaching. I'm, I, just quiet as it's going to be. I want to heal somebody's knee. I kept right on preaching. I want to heal somebody's knee. Finally, after a while, I go, oh, hello. I, I'm right in the middle of this little message thing here. What is this? I'm thinking, I, I realized, I thought, that's the Holy Ghost, and I'm having a conversation with the Lord in the middle of my message. I, I said, okay, okay. All right, you want to heal somebody's knee? Okay, good. He goes, I want to do it right now. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm right in the middle, right in the middle of this powerful flow and the Holy Ghost I want, he goes I want to heal somebody's knee and I want to do it right now so I stopped I was, okay 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 I said I said there's somebody here the Lord wants to heal you so bad we'll stop right in the middle of the deal he wants to heal your knee actually your kneecap I said come on down here it was like the head usher he come walking down walking like Chester come down like this you know and it took him a while I said man come on come on this is right in the middle of this flow you know we don't want to break this flow I said, come on down. So he got about right there, and I got ready to pray for him. I said, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. He fell out on the floor and jumped up and started screaming. Wah! I thought, oh, my God, the devil entered into this man. I thought, I thought, it, I thought the devil interrupted my service. And this, I mean, this man went, you know, so you can tell when somebody's freaking. I'm talking freaking out. Wah! I just kind of stood there like that. You know, I was like, this is like 1987. So I'm thinking, what in the world do I do? This, where's the ushers? This man's going to, I didn't know what he's going to do. All of a sudden, he looked at me, that, that kind of crazed look, you know. I looked at him. He took off running, pew, took right off back the door. Just, I mean, he came down like this. He ran, slammed right through the back door. You could hear him running down the street. The windows threw open in that church. He's going, ah! You could hear him running, and he, his voice got fainter and fainter and fainter. And I'm thinking, what in the world? I mean, he's just, ah! The only thing I can think of was the Home Alone movie, you know, that came out years later, where the kid's running like that. That's exactly what it was, but a grown-up going, ah! Well, I didn't know what to do. I just said, you know, I don't know how all this works. So I said, okay, let's go back to the Word. I said, you know, I, you know, he's wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, by his stripes we're healed. I went back to teaching. Next thing you know, man, I could hear that voice coming. I'm standing there preaching, going, what in the world do I do? And I really didn't know. It got louder and louder and louder. And I'm sitting there kind of preaching, going, this guy's coming back, man. <laughs> Crazy man is coming back in the service, you know. So I just, I'm sitting there preaching. It's getting closer and closer and closer. Everybody's kind of looking. We're all thinking the same thing. What, what's this guy going to do? Bam! He comes busting through the door, comes running up there. He goes, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I mean, testify. We stopped the service. I mean, service is over because he gets healed. And I want you to see something. He didn't get healed because of me. He got healed in spite of me. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, God's called us to do these works, and we've got all the equipment we need. We've got the name. We've got the glory. And we keep waiting to figure out how we're going to do it. And I believe he's talking to us every day. I, I guarantee you every single day he's telling you someone to minister to. But it's so quiet, sometimes we go, could that really be God? 
Now hang with me. I'm going to give you two more examples, and we're going to pray for some folks. I know I've preached a long time. You guys are so easy to preach to. Give me two, two quick things, and I'll show you. I'll show you the difference between an unction and a manifestation. How many want to hear that? The difference between an unction and a manifestation. When I was in Tulsa going to Rama, you know, I told you I worked four jobs. You know, I worked in real estate, uh, did a courier job in the morning, taught swimming lessons, tiny tots. Kind of scary that, that kids were entrusted to me to learn how to swim. Help me, Jesus. Anyway, um, so in real estate, I sold real estate in the afternoons. In the evenings, I had a model home. And what I would do was, uh, <laughs> this is terrible, I would take change out of my pocket and I'd throw it out on the concrete so when, the, when, when guys would come into the model homes with their wives, they'd go, wow, they found money on the ground. They'd be in a good mood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it just changes people's mood when they see money. I'm serious, I'd do it. Isn't that pathetic? I would. But it works. People go, look, I found a quarter. I said, you did? Praise the Lord. You know? So, so that they'd be happy when they come into the model. Because they automatically think the sales guy's going to hammer them. Well, I'm not going to hammer them, but at least they're happy when they come in. I like for people to be happy. Well, so another job I was working at, I want you to see this another job I was working at. I was selling office equipment downtown Tulsa. I had been working for this one preacher. I was getting ready to work for this other preacher. I had a lag time, so I was selling this office equipment. I absolutely hated it, but I was doing it. And I was working with these guys that were supernatural sinners. They could cuss in rhyme. They could make poems out of cuss words. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these guys were professionals. I mean, I, I, I mean, they were good sinners. So, so I remember I, I, one day I walked over to the Diet Coke machine. I was going to get me a Diet Coke. And as I was getting me a Diet Coke, I reached down to get my Diet Coke, and my change fell out of the machine. And I'm getting my Diet Coke because it's so precious to me, you know. And there, that money was there on the ground. And I, I had kind of an unction. Just kind, of, just kind of something on the inside to leave that money on the ground. I thought, I'm not going to leave that money on the ground. Hello. The Holy Ghost always leads in line with the Word. I said, first of all, there's no Word here. And, uh, you know, this is not, you know, Jesus is not being glorified. And well, what good is this going to do? And I just had that knowing. Well, you know, before, you used to leave money on the concrete to make people happy. Remember? When I sold the real estate. I thought, well, okay, I'll just leave it there. No Word of knowledge. No, I'm God. I want you to do this. Just, just, just had an unction like that. So... I walked back up with my Diet Coke, and one of the guys that was basically sold cocaine on the side, radical center, rank center, he walks up to me, and uh, he was all mad because a man worked for the Coca-Cola company. He came walking up and said, praise the Lord. And the, guy, the cocaine guy was mad. He goes, man, there's some Christian down there refilling the Coke machine. And he said, praise the Lord, because he found some money on the, by the machine, and he'd been believing God to find more money for this children's home there in Tulsa. I knew exactly what it was. I said, hey, Doc, hey, wild cocaine dealer. I said, you know what? The Lord told me to leave some of that money right there on the floor. He goes, you're crazy. I said, well, I may be crazy, but I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. I mean, you know what I'm saying? This is like 1982, 83. He goes, you're nuts. Well, two weeks later, hang with me. That was an unction. Two, two weeks later... The same office staff, we go into another city to sell more machines. I remember we'd finished blitzing the city in Stillwater, Oklahoma. We'd gone to this pizza place. I was walking back to, to go toward the restroom. Here comes a manifestation. Here comes a word of knowledge. I walked back toward the restroom. That guy's name was James, the cocaine dealer that thought I was crazy because I said I left money on the ground for the Coca-Cola guy. I'm walking back there toward the restroom. The Holy Spirit, just as loud and clear as voice, said, James has a call on his life. I said, what? I said, the devil. I said, I said, the devil has called this guy and he's doing a great job. I argued with the Lord. I said, that's impossible. I remember, I remember walking back toward the restroom going, I heard his voice loud and clear. He said, James has a call on his life. I said, James, the cocaine dealer, has a call on his life? I said, are you kidding me? I said, Lord, and I knew when he was telling me that I was going to say something to him. I thought, Lord, this guy, he already thinks I'm crazy and now you want me to tell him he has a call on his life? And the Holy Ghost is just so sweet. He goes, James, there's a call in his life. He ignores my whining. 
because James has a call in his life. So of course he's like six foot four. So I walk out there to James, the cocaine dealer, that already thinks I'm crazy. I said, hey, James, guess what? The Lord told me on the way back to the restroom, you have a call in your life. He looked at me. I didn't know what he was going to do. He goes, you know what? He said, my mom told me when I was a kid I was going to be preaching all my life. He said, I've known all my life I was supposed to be a preacher, and I've been running from it. And you know what he was doing to try to vent that? He was doing stand-up comedy at a place there in Tulsa. He said, you know what? I'm going to do the will of God. Well, now, see, there's all kinds of manifestations waiting for us, but we've got to learn to obey the still small voice. Now, see, we've got this glory. We've got this authority, and God's wanting to use us. So my friend, how we started the service a little while ago, man, there's so many things I was going to get into tonight, but how we started the service a while ago, he wanted to tell us that he's going to look through our eyes. He's going to minister through our hands. He wants to tell us this. And my friend, when we're uh, awakened to the fact that when we go out that door, you are a candidate for him to flow through you. It'll be a still, small voice. It'll be an unction. It won't be... It'll be like this. It'll be like, hmm, I wonder what that person needs. And all of a sudden, as you minister the word to them, there's a doorway for anointing, a doorway for power, a doorway for gifts, a doorway for every facet of the Lord to manifest himself through you. You can call it whatever you want to call it, anointing, glory, gifts. It's a person of the Holy Ghost. He knows everything about that person you're ministering to. He knows everything they need. And you watch. It'll be inspired to you at times what you need to say to them, what you need to do to them, and it will change their life forever. Hallelujah. And my friend, this is the hour. This is the hour. It's, it's not like five years from now. I remember one of those meetings I came out of in Tulsa. I walked over there to my Jeep to get some gas. I was pulling up at the gas station. Man, i got to close right now. I've been preaching way too long. Stop and stop and stop it. <laughs> I, took, I went over there to, my, to the gas station to fill up my Jeep with gas. I come walking in there, and I was getting me a big Diet Coke. I was getting a 32-ouncer because we know the Lord likes grande. Hallelujah. And so, amen. So I was getting a big 32-ouncer, and this man yells out to me. I'm in, the, I'm in the gas station. Nobody else in there. He goes, hey, I sure would like to know how to be saved. Well, I was messing with my 32-ounce Coke. I want to make sure I don't spill anything. I looked around. I thought, man, who's he talking to me? What? I thought, who's he talking to? He's talking to me. I messed with my Diet Coke a little bit more. The guy yells out, hey. I sure would like to know how to be saved. Man, I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? I got my lid on my Diet Coke, because that's very important. Walk, <laughs> walked over there to the guy, and he yelled out the third time as I walked up to the counter. He goes, I sure would like to know how to be saved. I look back behind me thinking there's somebody else. I go, are you talking to me? Kind of pathetic, isn't it? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, yeah. I said, well, man, you're talking to the right person. I know the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus. I didn't go into that gas station thinking, use me, Lord, I'm ready. I went to that gas station, mind my own business, trying to get a Diet Coke, and here this man started crying out to me, there's something on your life. And you watch, God will open the door for you to get people saved, get people set free, get people healed, and it'll be done exactly the way it was in the book of Acts. You've got authority, and you've got glory. Amen. What's the, the, the evangelist Thomas Hicks saw it. He saw that vision of that great giant over the earth. It said liquid light hit the giant. That, that giant awakened, and it was the church. Liquid light were those moves of God. And he said all of a sudden he saw that same liquid light. You can call it anointing, you can call it glory, whatever you want to call it. This was in 1959. He said all of a sudden he saw that liquid light flowing through believers everywhere. Liquid anointing. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm, wow. That's you. He saw you doing what you're called to do, doing the works of Jesus. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Aren't we glad we get to be utilized of the Lord right before he comes? He's going to surprise you. He's going to use you so great.
He's going he's gonna to bless you. He's going to use you so great. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for a minute before we go. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, may we comprehend that you have called us to do these works. May we comprehend that we're to be led of the Spirit, to follow the unction of the Spirit. Lord, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. We bless you tonight. Father, bless this wild congregation. They love you. They're hungry for you. Use them before you come. I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God. Wow. Hallelujah.